today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Welcome to the first episode of Digging for the Truth. I am Trent Taylor. This is Brett Ponder. We're going to talk to you more about that in a minute. But today we're going to be talking about a cashless society. Um, are we living in end times? What is crypto? What is digital currency? Well, we're going to get to those things today in just a minute. Well, like it says, we are going to be digging into the truth, and I think that's really what we need to start with and kind of explain a little bit about what this uh, this podcast is going to be. Um, it's basically just that. We're going to talk about what truth is. Truth is the infallible Word of God, and um, we're going to do things where we dig into the Bible. We're going to take Scripture, break it apart. We're going to also sometimes just get into uh, current events, which is actually kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start with some current events. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but I think one of the first questions we need to ask is, are we living in end times? And uh, I think not only are we living in end times, I think we're living at the end of the end times. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. You know, um, we turn on the TV, there's chaos, and it's just it's rampant everywhere. But the last prophetic thing that had to happen to really make sure, you know, to trigger, you know, the return of Jesus Christ was uh, Israel becoming a nation in one day. Now, I am not an eschatology expert. Now, I, I, I love studying it. Uh, there's some people I listen to that... that um, I really enjoy, but, you know, the things that we're going to talk about today are some stuff that we have, you know, a little bit more expertise in, and that is technology. Yep. Um, you know, the first thing that we kind of want to talk about is that, you know, um, what does the Bible say in regards to end times and for living in the, the end days? You know, in one of the first scriptures that come to mind is, you know, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on all the earth, and that every inclination and the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time, Genesis 6, 5. And honestly, when you turn on the TV or you go outside, I think that's absolutely what you see. Yes, yeah. Yeah, today, I mean, everything everything's changing in today's world, and they're just pushing it further and further on your kids. That's the big thing. Well, it's I mean— deeper and deeper ingrained. That's well, you can't get away from it. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, we have our mobile phones, right? We have all these tablets. We're constantly connected. And, and these are all things that had to happen um, for the you know, prophecy, for the return of Christ to come. We're going to get to some of that. But, you know, it, it says that the Bible talks about as it was in the days of Noah. So will it be in the days of the return of the Son of, the man, of, the son of man. And when you start looking at it, 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 there's a lot of stuff going on in uh, you know, pre-flood, you know, civilization. It says that they were being given in marriage. There was an economy. Um, they were eating and drinking. Life was going on as normal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the the ark closed, and God wiped them out. Yep. 
<laughs> and so this, it's going to be the same thing that kind of happens. It's going to be, you know, we can see all the symptoms. It says, you know, the scripture talks about, you'll know you're living in end times when they say that which is good is evil and that which is evil is good. Um, I mean, that's, that, that they call, they call, in fact, there's, there's attacks going on all over the world uh, on our faith, on Christianity, um, the attacks on the Bible. And so I think that, this, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting to me, I don't know how much, have you ever read uh, the book of Enoch? Now, it's not a canonized text. Yeah, um, I haven't, I have not. So it's kind of interesting. It, it talks about the Nephilim. So, you know, what's actually one of the other scriptures? So it talks about it. I'm not going to read the whole thing right here, but it talks about the Nephilim and how, you know, the, the, the sons of God saw that the daughters, the humans were, were beautiful, and these were the angels, the fallen angels, okay? And they went down and they, they, they mated and bred with, humans okay and it created the nephilim yep. these giants these you know you can see in genesis 6 1 through 4 you can go and read it for yourself but what's kind of interesting in the book of enoch it's called the watchers so chapters like 1 through 26 um you know again whenever you read non-canonized text you have to take it with a grain of salt right i mean it's not canonized text but it is interesting and so whenever i started studying it i it's a little dry but chapters 1 through 26 are called the watchers or is the 36, 36, 1 through 36. And it's called the Watchers. And these are the angels, the fallen angels. It gives you a little more insight as the Nephilim. Um, and what's kind of interesting, when you start looking at uh, the scripture, it says that before and after the flood, um, there, were, there were Nephilim. And we know that because then we, we start looking at, uh, you know, uh, Moses and the promised land and the giants that were there. And then David and Goliath, right? right. So th- this is something that's been ongoing. But when we look at the, the scripture, this is one little piece, and then we're going to move on. But the scripture talks about, um, in, in Noah, he said his, he called the, God called Noah perfect. Well, we know that the only perfect person that's ever lived is Jesus. Right. Okay. But that scripture, when you start looking at it and breaking it down, looking, you know, at historical text and context, it's talking about, I believe, and I, I don't know this, I've heard this from some other people that I highly respect and that are more in eschatology and some things to me, but their DNA. Okay. okay. So they, their DNA had not been altered or modified by these Nephilim. Okay. They were a pure, they were a pure, so Enoch, just for the record, so Enoch, okay, it was Methuselah's dad. All right, so we're talking. And so Enoch is one of the two people right. in the scripture that uh, did not die, but ascended into heaven. Actually, no, no, no. I think Enoch is uh, Methuselah's granddad. Is that right? I think that might be. No, 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 no. I think I had it right the first time. <laughs> anyway, he was close. He was in the family tree. Okay, so yeah, so I think Methuselah was actually Noah's granddad. I think okay. that's how that worked. <laughs> anyway, hey, family of trees and relations, I get confused sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but. Anyway, it's kind of interesting because then, uh, you know, what are we looking at now in regards to the corruption of the seed of man? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. This transhumanist, this trans- transhumanism and all the stuff yes. going on about trying to modify and, and tweak and change DNA. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of this CRISPR? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. China is leading it in that research. Um, but it's, it's in, they're doing some weird research. They have, they've done pigs and monkeys and all sorts of weird stuff. Well, and so they, they, they've also, you know, gotten into all this chimera stuff, yeah. you know, right? Trying to mix human DNA with animals. Right. And, and, I mean, this is, this, is, this is just scary stuff. So, anyway, my point is, and that's enough kind of, of, the, of the scary talk, but when we're getting into the Scripture, 
and we're talking about, you know, it was bad then, okay, and it's going to be as it was in the days of Noah, I, I think that we're there. But I think that one of the things that you have to have before you can um, really move into uh, the tribulation, I think, is just kind of what this whole episode's about, and that is you have to have a cashless society. Yes. Okay. Now, there's a lot of people that'll, you know, naysayers and stuff like that that say, well, no, you don't. Well, look, let's think of it like this. Okay, in, in, in Revelations 13, 16 through 17, okay, it talks about he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has uh, the mark or the name of the beast or the number uh, of his name. Okay, so this is something that is kind of it's an important piece. We know that there's going to come a time that the Antichrist, who wants to be held as God, okay, uh, he will not let you buy or sell unless you have the mark on your hand or on your forehead. Right. Okay, well, so if you have cash, and I can go give it to my buddy, and you can take that cash and go buy something else. I mean, you, yeah. can't, you can't regulate that. Yeah, it allows you to operate outside of that potential system. That's exactly right. Right. Okay, so what do you have to do? you got to get rid of it. you got to implement a new type of currency, a digital one. Okay, well, I, I would agree with that. Yep. Okay, so looking at the current technology and what's going on in the world, I'd say, that yeah, it's just that. You, you have to um, create some type of way to track every transaction. Right. Okay. You have to, you have to, you know, make sure that you can't have the pri- even private transactions. If I'm just going to give you twenty dollars, that has to be done through a digital currency. If I have cash, I can't, you know, then they can't track it. So that kind of leads us to the whole conversation tonight. Um, I think we ought to start talking about uh, start off with crypto. Okay. So crypto, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, right now, I'd say it's both, but it has a potential of being a really good thing. Okay, I, I would agree with that. So tell me, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, uh, so with crypto, it's moving really fast. There's a lot of players in the space. You got your main ones. Of course, you got Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are your main networks. But you have a lot of spinoff on that, especially one of the new fads is NFT. NFTs has potential of being really good, but the way it's implemented right now is just... All right, so you need to, so we're we're, kind of used to the (laughs) lingo a little bit, so you need to explain what an NFT is. So an NFT is a um, non-fungible token, Um, and so with that, it allows the um, asset um, to be uh, shared across different spaces, and whoever created that asset can be rewarded for their creation. Um, it allows for a, a code to be executed each time it's essentially open. So you can also make it where it can only ever be used a single time. Yes. You know, so for example, you know, um, here's a piece of art. There's an NFT associated with this piece of art. Yes. Okay, so that way that, you know, there's, I mean, it, it, it does actually make a more secure purchase in, in, in some areas in that regard as far as authenticating that one piece. Correct. But there's some downsides and things that, I'd say the downside is the way the NFTs are being used. Yes. Yeah, right now, I mean, you have people people just stealing other people's content, taking a screenshot of it, calling it an NFT, and selling it. Right. I mean, that defeats the purpose. So, so the, it, let's, okay, you mentioned, you mentioned Bitcoin. So, I want to talk about Bitcoin for a minute. So, Bitcoin, uh, in November of 2021, the value was sitting at around $61,000 per Bitcoin. Yep. Okay. 
Today, I didn't look. Have you looked today? Today, I think it was around 44,000. It's been going up since a weekend ago, about a week now. Okay. So the, the thing about this, it actually went down as low as, I want to say, like 36, 35, 36. I'm pretty sure it bottomed out about 30. Okay. I, I didn't follow it, but I knew yeah. it was in the 30s somewhere. So I think it's important to, to mention you know, and talk about that because it lost basically half its value. Yes. Now, it's trying to fight back, but we, I think that it's important we need to talk about what happened. <laughs> so before I, I, don't, I don't want to steal any thunder here. Tell me what you think is going on. Well, it's so you have a lot of you have a lot of countries wanting to kind of understand the space and want to try to potentially control that space, and they're starting to ban the mining of the coin, which is the computer the computing power used to uh, do the transactions on that blockchain. And the one that really hitting is Bitcoin, but Bitcoin, since it is the big player, all the other ones follow suit when that one drops. Well, okay, and so it's it's the other part. We're going to talk here in a minute about um, digital currency. Yes. All right. Okay. And, and and so there's a difference. There is a difference between um, digital currency and crypto, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But I think it actually would be good. We have some people. So the Fed um, here in the United States, which we're going to talk a little bit, they released some stuff. We're going to get into in a minute in the digital mm -hmm. currency. But before we do, I think it's important to to listen to to Powell. Uh, he is the head now of the Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve here in the United States right now. And here's what he had to say um, about Bitcoin the, uh, the other day. Currencies, uh, you know, that are really uh, speculative assets, uh, I don't see them as a financial stability concern uh, um, at the moment. I do think they are risky. They're not backed by anything. And um, uh, I think there's a, they're a big consumer uh, consumer issues for consumers who may or may not understand what they're getting and there's certainly um, developments in the in the markets that are worth following which are really not in our jurisdiction but things like you know the kind of leverage that that's built into and those sorts of things is certainly worth worth watching so here we have the fed starting to kind of you know you can see encroach upon and try to start casting some doubt in regards to bitcoin the cryptocurrency in and of itself, but it goes to a whole nother level here with this next clip that we're, we're going to show. DeFi is the most dangerous part of the crypto world. This is where the regulation is effectively absent and no surprise. It's where the scammers and the cheats and the swindlers mix among part-time investors and first-time crypto traders. Shoot, in DeFi, someone can't even tell if they're dealing with a terrorist. Stable coins provide the lifeblood of the DeFi ecosystem. In DeFi, people need stable coins to trade between different coins, to trade derivatives, to lend and borrow money, all outside the regulated banking system. Without stable coins, DeFi comes to a halt. Let me translate. We can't control crypto, and if we can't control crypto, it needs to go because we need to be in control of all currency. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's basically what that she's saying. And so l let me let me break this down a little bit. Okay, I, I agree that crypto is a good thing. Um, what I do for a living is I am in the tech space. I have a, a software company. Medical record software is my primary business. Okay, we have data centers, 
in back in April last year of 2021, we um, we were hacked. There, this when all the the pipeline hacks and other hospital hacks and all the stuff were going on. We were far better protected, and we are better now because of it. God protected our business in every way. It just says in Zechariah that God is a wall of fire. Ironically, that what protects your computer, or your networks, or firewalls, and He did just that for us. But the one thing they wanted, they wanted three hundred thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> Whenever we were watching this back in post, I realized that I never actually said that we did not pay these terrorists a single penny. We didn't. Continue. And they wanted it in Bitcoin. So I should, of all people, you know, you know, hate Bitcoin because how can these, you know, terrorists and, you know, that's what they are. You can call them whatever you want, but they're terrorists. Um, you know, if they're operating in the tech space, I should, as a, you know, hate it, right? Right. But I don't. And the reason I don't is because it is a, a currency that is not regulated by the government. It is a free enterprise currency. Yes. Okay. And, and that's the, whenever the government regulates, you know, just like look what's going on in regards to inflation and we're look, moving towards stagflation, um, you know, and, and that's, this isn't a political conversation. It's just, but that's the, that's the truth. I mean, what happens is so much money gets dumped into the economy, you know, and, and, and from, the, from the government. And it just, it begins to, you know, slow down an economy. Yep. Digital, well, uh, crypto is not regulated in that area, okay? So it, the, the buying and selling power of it, and I don't know if you knew this, and we haven't mentioned it. If you're not into crypto, there's only so much of it, too. Right. And that's, that's what gives it its most value, is it you can't, you can't inflate it. You can only deflate it. That's right. So, so that's kind of why it's good. But, so here's the, here's the thing. So what does a government have to do? Well... Um, I didn't. I don't have a clip here for it, but actually, um, today is February. And so I think on February eighth of twenty twenty two, Biden administration came out stating that they were going to begin to regulate cryptocurrency and and to begin to come up with a process or a plan to uh, to to regulate cryptocurrency. Yes. Yeah. And 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 the reason they need to do this. And so the very first thing he said is they have to scare you. They don't want you to, to use this, this digital technology or this, this cryptocurrency. They say, it's what terrorists use. And in fact, that's what Elizabeth Warren had said in that last clip, right? It's the terrorists. It's the terrorists. And so right. they've got to scare you and make you afraid of crypto. So that leads us really to the next part, okay? Once that you're afraid of it, okay, and they, and they regulate it out. By the way, just so you know, in China, it's, it's against the law to buy and sell crypto and even even have it on a computer it, like you if, you, if, you, it if you if you get it's criminal and i don't know if you knew this but it's also against the law in china to own gold to buy or sell own gold okay um i didn't know this until the other day in the united states i think at one point but it, it it was actually against the law to buy gold here too and there was the gold act that you know they had to, that, that was instituted to make sure that you could actually go and buy and sell gold again. The reason was is if you'll remember, and there's a, there's some neat stuff that I could show you. There's a uh, it's kind of a harsh name, but it's called WTF happened in 1971.com. And there's if you'll go to that website, it's really interesting. It has I'd say hundreds of graphs. And what happened in 1971 was that we were no longer on the gold standard, and that really changed how the the economic system in fact if you look we we had balanced budgets at the, the line and all of a sudden it's just it's a hockey stick in so many areas not just in areas of finance but in areas of social areas you know and, and it's just it's crazy go take a look 
So what happens is, is the, we need a digital currency according to the Fed. Right. All right. So the Fed, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find, there's some articles here. So on January 20th, a lot happened. Um, let me bring this up. There is, see here, okay, I'm going to show my computer here. So on January 20th, yeah, see I have it highlighted, the Federal Reserve Board releases discussion paper that examines the pros and cons of a potential U.S. central bank digital currency. So we're going to, from this point forward, we're going to say CBDC, but that's a central bank digital currency. This is something that China has already rolled out. Um, okay. Yeah, 50% of their economy is already on it. I didn't realize it was that much. Yes. I thought it was happening in some provinces, but I didn't know it was 50% yet. Okay, so there, there's there's a lot of things that go into um, a CBDC. So there's a paper that you can go out and download yourself um, that I want to I want to point out. But there was a right here. It says digital finance services and commercial bank money have become more accessible over time. Increasing numbers of Americans have opened to maintain bank accounts. Nonetheless, and this is the part that matters, more than seven million, over five percent of U.S. households remain unbanked. Nearly 20% more have bank accounts, but still rely on more costly financial services such as money orders, cash, you know, services, and so forth. Okay, this is this is important because this is a, a demographic, a part, a part of, uh, you know, the, the demographic in the United States that isn't really even using banks. So let's say if they had a digital currency tomorrow, that whole that whole group just falls off. Right. Okay, they're they don't even have a mechanism to regulate them. So that's the first thing that they have to do is to reel these people in. And figure out and put them on a standard. So, you know, again, CBDC, digital currency, how do we get to that point? How do we close that gap? Make sure everybody's in, ha, has some mechanism to, to, to buy and sell with this digital currency. So they talk about, well, here, what are the potential benefits? I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert, in my opinion, none. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but... A CBDC could potentially serve as a new foundation for the payment system and a bridge between different payment services, both legacy and new. Um, it could also maintain the centrality and safety of trust uh, central bank money in a rapidly digitizing economy. I'm going to jump down. It says a U.S. CBDC would offer the general public broad access to digital money that is free from credit risk and liquidity, now, liquidity risk. That is a very important piece of what they just said. I don't know if you caught that. Free from credit risk. Okay, free from liquidity risk. <laughs> well, what's a liquidity risk whenever I have money and I want to cash it in? Let's take like a stock, okay, or a Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and I want to convert that into U.S. dollars or some other, some other, or, or buy a fancy car, That's, okay, mm -hmm. or whatever it is I want to buy with it. What they're saying is they want to make sure that they have control of that transaction. Right. And that we can't just go, and not only that, they, they are also saying through this process is that, if, if they can monitor and manage all transactions and know in real time all the transactions that are coming and going, then in essence, uh, they can, with, like with a, as a sca with a scalpel almost, you know, control inflation and, and all these things, which sounds like a good thing, but it's not. Right. I mean, almost inflation wouldn't exist almost on a digital currency from the central banks because now you have an, an unlimited supply already built into that system with their digital coin. And so that takes one of the risks that they have right now, which is causing major problems for them out. Well, so I, I think, okay, so we agree that, so let's go kind of recap. So cryptocurrency, free enterprise, digital currency controlled by government, federal, federal reserve system, in the, in the United States be Federal Reserve. 
okay, the federal banks. So the, how do you do that? First of all, wearing computers uh, and technology, it, 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 I'm telling you, this is going to take some massive processing power. Oh, yeah. yeah. Massive to be able to monitor all these transactions in real time mm -hmm. from all around the world. Right. So how do we do that? Well, f well, first, well, there's two parts to it, really. I mean, you have to come up with a new type of computer yep. that can handle yep. that. But also, you have to come up with a blockchain for your digital currency that can handle that much throughput as well. So, so it, well, then, I'd add a third part. Okay. Okay, and that is software and artificial intelligence to actually monitor, oversee, and look for trends and calculations yep. that you can immediately tap into and almost talk to this AI and say, hey, this is what we're looking for. Give it a set of parameters and say, hey, this is the, do we see a segment of the population doing this? Because we need to fix it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. All right. So here's something that's kind of crazy that I, I don't know if y'all are familiar with quantum computers. It's, it's not really necessarily a new concept, but it is definitely new in regards to we now have the technology. These computers exist. I'm going to give you a couple of examples in a minute that will blow your mind. But I thought this was interesting. So remember a minute ago, we talked about the Fed, okay, coming out and saying that we have a digital currency or CBDC that we want to start looking at for the United States. Okay. Well, on that very same day, January 20th, 2022, um, over in Europe, they talk about these European milestones where there's a quantum computer with more than 5,000 qubits launched. Okay. So we're going to talk about what a qubit is here in a minute. Okay. Um, but let's talk first, and let's just look at this dude. There it is. Doesn't look like, I mean, it's, it's this huge, huge computer. The, 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 this processor, basically, the, this machine is operating at such a high capacity. The heat is, is so insane that they have to keep the temperature inside of this computer at a negative 460 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Yeah, they even, the if you ever get to see inside of one, I don't think we have an image ready, but... Um, the CPU actually sits in a bucket of liquid nitrogen the, the entire time of operation. Because if it doesn't, boom. Yes. Yep. All right. So, so here's what I thought was interesting. So I'm gonna, there's another section down here in this article, and there's a lot of different quotes, and, and, and they're, they're meeting and they're having these conversations, but here's one thing that really stuck out to me. They have the potential to, to transform our everyday lives for the better, of course. I mean, computers, AI, over us, hey, listen, I know that I want a non, you know, sentient, you know. I mean, look at what it's been doing for Facebook. Everyone <laughs> loves their food. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> okay, with regard to making optimal use of our power grid, optimizing investment strategies in the financial market, or designing more effective medicines. And this is why the Federal Research Ministry, so this is, we're talking about Europe here, but this is the Fed of the Europe, is providing intensive, broad-based support for quantum computer development. So let me, let me translate that. Um, we're creating computers that can handle the throughput AI to put on that to make sure we can oversee you so that we can make positive, you know, and optimize, you know, investment strategies. Let me, let me tell you who that's optimizing the investment strategies for is probably not us. <laughs> okay. But it's interesting. Just, I mean, it, it so the computer, let's talk about um, just a, a, a quantum computer. And one of the, one of the neatest places to actually talk about this is that you can relate to a little bit uh, is Google. So I was looking the other day and I was trying to find information in regards, you know, just to the existing tech companies using quantum computers. Um, well, Google does. They, they do use a, uh, and anyway, they have, uh, Google announced it has a quantum computer 
Okay, and here's what's crazy. That is 100 million times, 100 million times faster than any classical computer in its lab. And they go on to say that every day they produce 2.5 exabytes of data. Okay, we're going to talk about that number in a second. That's the number equivalent to the content of 5 million laptops. That, that is crazy. That is just a, that's a crazy number. So an exabyte, people are, everybody's kind of familiar with the megabyte. We got a gigabyte. We got a terabyte. Okay. An exabyte is 1 million terabytes. Jeez. Okay. A million terabytes. But so, hey, we're talking about Jesus in the Bible, so let's put it in that context, okay? So the, uh, see, where, where do I have that? So right here. <laughs> okay, so the, the uh, King James, New King James Bible has, let me see here, look at that, has 3,116,480,000 characters. Okay, so one exabyte, okay, could hold more than 320 billion New or King James Version Bibles. Let me say that again. 320 billion with a B King James Bibles, King James Bibles would fit in a single exabyte. In, in Google, they're producing two and a half, of, you know, exabytes a day yes. of data. You can't, if you understand, you know, even supercomputers, you have these big, you know, have these server rooms filled, okay, with processing power, consuming this data. Honestly, just a standard bit process, you know, zeros and ones, mm-hmm. okay, a standard flow of traffic. It, it's just, it, you'll never, no matter how fast you continue to try to make this, it just won't work. Right. So in comes the qubit. Yep. All right. You want to you try to explain what a qubit is? I'll try my best. Um, Okay, so a qubit, so you know, a, we just said a bit is zero or one, and that or is very important there. A qubit is both at the same time. Or it can be. Right. Once, once it passes through um, what's known as the filter, a determination is made on that That's right. um, bit, and it becomes either a zero or a one, which in theory means that you have both combinations at the same time until you're ready to look at it. Well, and, here's, and here's what's crazy about a qubit. So we, we think of copying data and everything else. You can't copy it um, the way that you, we think of copying data. So this, this also changes the security environment in regards to how much more secure things become because you can't just intercept the qubits coming through this, this filter and copy them off as an exact match. Right, yeah, that's, that goes in a little bit more of the theory of... of um quantum physics where you look into quantum entanglement which when that bond between the particles which is your qubit is broken it just falls apart you cannot use it anymore so, so. I, listen there, there there's a lot of articles out there in videos you can go watch on on uh, how to you know understand what a qubit is and quantum computing you're going to watch a few of them and your eyes are going to roll back in your head and like forget it whatever and but it's just it is it's it's really it's it's, it's amazing technology um, it's impressive. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly impressive. Yes. And it lines up with things that have to take place and happen in order for a cashless society, okay, to happen. Now, here's the thing. We've been talking about all these scary things all this time, and, and I want to say this, okay, that this isn't scary. Um, as Christians, um, we shouldn't be worried. Exactly. We, we should not be worried. In fact, I, I think about that. I have this thought at least once a week, maybe more, and especially now. And that is someday I'm going to be, you know, in heaven. 
Um, and there's the saints and all these people and, and our he, the heroes of our faith are, that have gone before us are going to be there. And I'm going to stand before them. They're going to be asking us, what was it like living in end times? Because they knew this was the culmination of our faith. This is, this is what we are all waiting for. And, and they're going to be like, well, what was it like? And so we have a tendency while we're here and stuck in the middle of it to, to worry, just like, the, you know, the, the pandemic and everything that we went through and all the fear and all the stuff that, that came from that is in 2 Timothy 1.7, we haven't been given that spirit of fear, but of a power and love and a sound mind. But here, here's the good news is that all this stuff that's going to transpire I, I don't know how long it's going to take to get that. I mean, there's a lot of lot of red tape and a lot of hoops people are going to have to jump through before we have a cashless society. Mm-hmm. There are, okay? So, yeah, we're, we, it sounded scary, but it's, it's not. And the second thing is, um, I don't believe we'll be here for it. I am absolutely a pre-tribulation believer. If you look throughout history, throughout the Bible, okay, is that God took those, okay, who were faithful to him first, and then he brought punishment from Noah and the flood to, you know, Lot, you know, and Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. It says just, to, and, and then not only that, the references Jesus makes is it was in the days of Noah. That's just another tipping of the hand. There's a lot more, but let's look at it, this. In, in, uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to read the whole scripture because there's a lot. There's about 13 verses here. But in, in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, it talks about the ten virgins um, who are waiting, the five who were wise and the five who were foolish. The five who were wise, they were prepared and ready. And when Jesus returned, they went with him, right? And, and whenever, you know, the, the five who were foolish and didn't have the oil, the wise ones said, well, go buy oil. And when they came back, it was too late. And then Jesus says, I do not know you, whenever they knocked at the door. And so I think this has a couple of different meanings that we can take. First of all, um, I believe that, you know, it talks about half go and half stay. In the world, the population of the world, I believe that most, many of the people that say that they're Christians um, are not. I just, I just, uh, that's just the truth. There's people, prominent people, that, that every day say that they are devout Christians, they are devout this, they are devout that, and there's no fruit. Jesus said that you can, you can see the, the tr- you know, judge the, uh, yeah, by yeah. their fruit, and there's no fruit. So, I think, so the, the first of all is that there's going to be, l- l- let's say that, Let's say that you have, you know, people, two billion people on the planet that say uh, that they're Christian, okay? Um, well, I believe that one billion of those aren't going. So I think that it's, it's so the tribulation. So when I talk about we're going, I mean, I'm talking about the rapture. And we can talk about that maybe on some other podcast. But it's just, I, I do not believe that we will be here for this. And not, I, not only that, I think that a lot of, they got to get us out of the way. What is holding back the spirit of the Antichrist and the principalities of darkness is the church. Yes. It's us. It's you and me. Yes. I mean, these things can't happen while we are standing here fighting and pushing back in the name of Jesus Christ. We are under his covering. We know that he is our sovereign protector and creator. Think about just, I mean, even in a crazy world, I mean, God's provision my wife and I, Brandy and I, when things get absolutely nuts and crazy, if you look at our provision on, on paper, and we just wrote stuff, it doesn't make sense. God always provides. And I can't tell you, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the struggles that we've gone through. It's made me stronger, and it's made my faith stronger. Um, you know, but I, I want to say this as we wrap up, and that is, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the most important decision that you will ever make in your life is whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead, you are saved. It's a matter of, of faith. Um, it's not something you can earn. You can't be good enough. 
you know, it, it's a matter of just belief and faith. And you can do this from wherever you're at. All you have to do is get on your knees. And, and, and my gift, my, my heart, I'm an evangelist of the fivefold ministry. I'm an evangelist through and through. And I, I care, my, my goal in life is to take as many people with me to heaven as I can. And that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Let's take as many people with us to heaven as we can. And, and I just want to challenge you this. Listen, if we talked about some of this and it scared you today, I, don't let it scare you. Don't let it scare you. It's interesting. Yes. We have a front row seat to the end of the world, and we are not going to have to go through all the pain and the suffering and, and, and everything that you think, well, I'm suffering right now. Let me tell you something. The tribulation is going to be way, way, way worse. A quarter of the population of the earth is going to die just like that, right? After, I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff that's going to happen. We won't be here for it. We don't have to let this, you know, drive fear into our heart. God is not a God of fear. He's a God of faith. Yes. And, and so I just want to challenge you that if you, if you have more questions about Jesus, give us a call at the Church of Bushland. There's so many pastors up here that would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. But let me tell you something. Your, your faith and the decision that you make for Christ is personal, and, and it can happen right this second. All you have to do is just get on your knees and you just pray these words. Heavenly Father, I know that you sent your only begotten Son to die for me, and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that my name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's it. That's all you got to do. It's a matter of the heart. Confess it with your tongue. Listen, we appreciate, uh, you know, your time today. We uh, know that this has been a little bit of a uh, kind of roller coaster of emotions probably, but we are so thankful that you joined us. Uh, Be sure and uh, keep looking online. We're going to be publishing probably one of these, oh, I don't know, every two to four weeks. It just kind of depends. It takes some energy to put one together. But we are so thankful that you joined us, uh, and we hope to see you on the next one. See you all. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.